from American Awakening, this is Signs of Life. Hello, America and world. They got the American Awakening Squad, the stripped-down version today. Uh, we've got a special show for you, but it's going to involve a slightly different cast of characters. Really excited to bring some goodness to you in a slightly different format, a little bit more of a musical format today. More on that in a bit. Uh, but while we're getting ourselves rolling, let's have Josh Jacob bring us in with a little higher love, man. My brother, my sister, God love you and God bless you. My brother, my sister, God love you and God bless you. May God hold us all in those almighty hands of love. May God hold us all in those almighty hands alone. My brother, my sister, God love you and God bless you. My brother, my sister, God love you and God bless you. May God hold us all in those almighty hands of love. May God hold us all in those almighty hands of love. Bring me your higher Uh, yeah, so we have got a different show today. We're going to talk more about this in a couple minutes, but uh, just uh, just a headline point is the following. We've got a big couple weeks coming. The book launch is uh, happening in 15 days, and we've also got a big concert production launch uh, in 15 days, too. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, but Marissa Prince, who's the producer of all our creative initiatives and a you know extraordinary woman, as we all know, is right now in the post production studio working on bringing that all together. So uh, so the rest the the world out there can have some uh, American Awakening better together concert goodness. More more on that to come. Uh, you'll hear a lot more about that in the next fifteen days. Um, but for today, let's roll it over to Pastor Joel Searby and the Daily Dose. 
All right. Hello, everybody out there, listeners, viewers. I'm coming to you from hot Florida, and I don't mean COVID. Uh, it is just hot down here, and I'm in a, a hot building. So if you see me sweating for the viewers, you know why, listeners, you can imagine. Um, you know, Mondays can be pretty hard for, for a lot of reasons. But for me, it's hard because it's there's these stark reminders that you wake up Monday morning, face the week, and you just come off of this like sweet rest or Sabbath if you're into that and you take rest uh, as, as God has invited us to. And then you hit the week and there's these lists to be made and remade and people to see and projects to advance. And even in, in you know, if you're quarantined or whatever your state of lockdown is right now, there's still work to be done on a Monday morning. And so this can discourage us and leave us feeling overwhelmed. And really just kind of looking at the week ahead saying, you know, I don't know if I really want to get out of bed. And this is not unlike, I think, the life of following Jesus. And so as I think about our daily dose today, you know, we have certain moments that are really sweet with Jesus, really deep and impactful that feel like they could maybe last forever, but they don't. And we have these times of deep thanksgiving or praise or connection with God through worship or through creation or, or through people, and they don't continue. We feel like we're burning hot and we, you know, we're all about the things of God and we're going to continue to do it for the rest of our lives, but we don't. And we get so easily discouraged then when it seems like this following of Jesus just takes so much effort and work and we seem incapable of producing it. We just can't get there. But I want to encourage you today to take heart because it's not actually about our performance and our ability to face all the stuff, to take on the weak, or to be disciples and to conquer everything. Of course, there is work to be done and effort. And of course, we play some part in the mysterious tension of God's sovereignty and our free will and how it all plays together. But I think Eugene Peterson uh, captures it beautifully in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which I highly recommend. I'm on my third reading uh, of that book. Now, listen to this quote from him. Christian discipleship is a process of paying more and more attention to God's righteousness and less and less attention to our own. Finding the meaning of our lives, not by probing our moods and motives and morals, but by believing in God's will and purposes. Listen to that one again. Finding the meaning of our lives, not by probing our moods and motives and morals, but by believing in God's will and purposes. Making a map of the faithfulness of God, not charting the rise and fall of our enthusiasms. It's out of such a reality that we acquire perseverance. So there's this idea that Peterson shares here that we can get so tied up in thinking about however, whoever God is, is tied directly to how I'm behaving, how I feel, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. And yet there's something about God's faithfulness that's so beyond us, so transcends us and carries us along in his love to where he's going to take us. So I'm encouraged by that this day. I hope you are. Let's pay attention and map God's faithfulness in our lives today. That's your Daily Dose. That's super helpful, Joel. I, I'll tell you um, this idea of um, I think what you're talking about. I think what you're what you're channeling is um, ultimately, a, you know, a bit of the um, Jesus words. You know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Right? Because it's not about us. That doesn't mean we could just you know just not care at all and whatever, not wake up, get out of bed, and all that sort of stuff. But it's really not important that much how we feel. As you, you know, as, as you say, your motivations, you know, I mean, that's a great one, right? I'm always thinking, you know, am I, am I doing, am I doing the right stuff for the right reasons, et cetera? Well, it's not that important or something like that. It's, 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 you know, it's got his, the yoke is easy, the burden is light because it's about 
the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one who was, you know, stood throughout all time, right? It's not about us. Um, so we can sort of take the pressure off, our, off ourselves a little bit to what we're going to do in the next 60 seconds or next hour or something like that. Uh, yeah. Is that a fair yeah. readback, Joel, do you think? Yeah, I think so. And and also just, again, looking at the arc, uh, you know, we talked about narratives and arcs quite a bit on the show. And uh, it's easy for us. We so easily get caught, uh, as Peterson said, in charting <laughs> charting our own stuff instead of seeing kind of the overarching narrative of God's faithfulness. It's a, it's a big map, you know, so to speak, as you look at how God has been faithful over history to his people in so many ways. And, uh, you know, that to me, along with the encouragement of Jesus saying that his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, there's also, again, just the, the historical grounding in the way God has been there for his people. So that's encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, you, if you're thinking of that that big narrative and, and you're not thinking about the next 60 you know, minutes so much about, you know, again, for your own, your own sort of the roller coaster you may be tempted to ride, or at least I'm tempted to ride with, with you know, how, how it's going right this minute, then, then uh, it, um, it really is freeing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to remember like, hey, if we could do it all ourselves, you know, then don't worry about Jesus and we didn't need Jesus. And, you know, maybe you don't need Jesus if that's how you feel, but there is like the flip side of that is we've got him, you know, he's, he's here for us. And it's a, a key part of my belief of why Jesus came was, was certainly to, to save us ultimately, but also to walk with us, you know, in these times. And uh, that's why he became incarnate and not as some statue or some, you know, uh, inanimate object or something else. He was a man who walked among us. And I think that's critical to remember in tough days. So uh, it is, um, as I say, a special day. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's always sad when we don't have Marissa here. And then we decided since Marissa wasn't going to be here, we'd give Jeff Bethke the morning off because God bless him. The, the dude's up at, you know, the crack of dawn every single day to, to uh, you know, to bring, bring goodness to the world um, on the show with us. And we said, you know, let's just sleep for the day because we're going to give the people what they really want, uh, which is in addition to, you know, Andrew Hanauer's um, great Love Your Neighbor segments. We're giving the people what they want with some real uh, moving uh, worship music in a, a Josh Jacobs set. We're going to give Josh Jacobs some extended room here to roll um, after we uh, hit a couple more segments here. And with that, I'll hand it off to Calvin for what's happening out there, friend. All right. Thanks, John. So Florida on Sunday report the highest single day total of new coronavirus cases by any state since the start of the pandemic, with more than 15,000 new infections, eclipsing the previous high of 12,274 recorded in New York on April 4th. The number reflects both increased testing and a surge in transmission of the virus that has strained hospitals, led to shortages in a key antiviral drug, and amplified fears about the pace the state lifted restrictions on movement and commerce. The increase of 15,300 cases has come as Disney World has let tourists back onto its rides. The Republican National Convention is set to begin in Jacksonville in August, and Governor Ron DeSantis has ordered that public schools reopen for five days a week when classes resume next month. He says, if you can do Home Depot, if you can do Walmart, if you can do these things, we absolutely can do the schools. Also, the first federal inmate in 17 years is set to be put to death on Monday. Borrowing last minute, a last-minute stay, 
uh, after a federal appeals court ruled on Sunday that the Justice Department could carry out the execution as planned. Uh, Daniel Lewis Lee, 47 years old, was sentenced to death decades ago for his part in the 1996 murder of a family of three. Family members of Mr. Lee's victims had sued the Justice Department, arguing that they could not safely travel to witness the execution because of the coronavirus. The White House announced in July 2019 its campaign to bring back the federal death penalty from what had been a de facto moratorium. But legal challenges to the federal government's proposed execution protocol delayed the procedures. Less than a month ago, the Justice Department renewed that push, scheduling four executions this summer, all of which were of inmates convicted of murdering children. Uh, three, including Mr. Lee, are scheduled to die this week. And lastly, uh, just less than two weeks after one of his most prominent corporate sponsors urged him to change the name of his football team, uh, Washington owner Daniel Schneider plans to announce the retirement of the Redskins nickname and reveal a new team name Monday morning. The new name remains unknown, but Warriors, Red Wolves, and Red Tails have ranked among the most popular choices among fans on social media. In 2013, Schneider, who grew up cheering for the team and purchased it in 1999, told USA Today Sports that he would never change the name. But as the climate in the country has changed to a place of greater awareness of racial insensitivities, the Redskins' name debate returned to the spotlight. A group of investors urged FedEx, Nike, and Pepsi to join their fight to change the name. On July 2nd, FedEx, whose president and chairman Fred Smith owns a stake of the team, publicly demanded a change. The following day, Schneider issued a team statement that he would be conducting a thorough review of the matter. So, there you go, a few stories of what's going on out there. And now over to Andrew Hanauer for our next segment, uh, Love Your Neighbor. Thanks, Calvin. I mean, I say thanks, but man, you throw us all that stuff and then just hand it over to me to somehow pick up pick up the pieces. So I think, you know, all of us on this show in this work together have been talking for the last few months on this on this show about how if you feel like there's something wrong in this country, if you feel like things aren't the way they they should be, if you're tired of the racism, the hate, tired of the division, the dysfunctional government, if you're tired of cancel culture, if you're tired of a society where, where, where people seem to value all the wrong things, uh, this movement is for you. Um, this is where, where you belong. We, we want to be with you. You're not alone. There's a place for you out there. But I think, you know, anyone can, can say things like that. Anyone can try to be inspiring and get people to rally to a cause. But I think also what we need a little more of in our, in our country right now is, um, Oh, I don't know, you know, responsibility, adult behavior, um, common sense. Um, and one of the things that we talked about the last couple of weeks was how our polarization actually makes us stupider, right? It, it, it makes us uh, uh, make decisions, have beliefs that are not based on reality, but are based on a distorted view of how we see the world. And so when a lawyer in Jacksonville, for instance, walks around beaches with a Grim Reaper outfit to shame people into not coming to the beach... That's not based on science and facts. Most health experts say, yes, go out. If you're going to go out, go out to an outdoor space where you can social distance. Um, it's based on a, on a narrative that, that that one individual is hearing. Um, but now with COVID, we're getting to probably the most divisive, difficult question, which is our kids. 
do we reopen schools? Um, my colleague Chandra wrote a, a blog piece this past week called The COVID Mommy Wars, because if you if you have kids like I do, uh, and you're aware of the, the ways that parents already shame and judge each other on social media and in other venues about every parenting decision that, that, that we make, uh, you can only imagine, I think, how bad it's going to be when it comes to questions like, should we reopen our schools? Are you going to send your kid to school? Are you going to make your kid wear a mask, uh, et cetera? And I think that one of the things that's really important in this is just to, to approach this conversation with common sense, because we're all going to approach it with emotion. Uh, I know I, as a, as a father, um, have a lot of strong feelings about, you know, what we're going to do with, with our own elementary school kids um, in the fall. But let's just take a step back for a second and ask ourselves some basic questions, right? Which is, uh, what is the, first of all, what are, what are most people motivated by? Are most people trying to do the right thing? Are most school administrators, teachers, parents motivated by love for their children, by concern for their health, by concern for their communities, or are they motivated by some sort of ulterior negative agenda? And I think that when we start off with a place of just recognizing and respecting that most people, left, right, black, white, brown, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, um, elected officials or not, are trying to do the right thing for our kids, um, I think we can start with that and try to lower the temperature a little bit. There's a, a concept in, in science called motive misattribution. It's this concept that we assume that our side acts out of love and your side acts out of hate. And we find out that um, Democrats and Republicans do this to each other. You know, Israelis and Palestinians have the same habits of assuming the other side is motivated by negative intentions. When our kids' health and safety is at stake, we're gonna go there very quickly. And I think that we need to take a step back, be responsible and ask ourselves, First of all, you know, is everyone involved in this out for the right reasons? And I think for the most part, the answer is yes. Um, so what I wanna challenge folks to do today is if you have strong feelings about reopening schools, uh, go read an article or a blog post or something written by a, a person who disagrees with your position, who is coming from a place of common sense and, and good intentions. Uh, they are out there, believe me. If you, if you don't want to reopen schools, well then go read what the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics says, right? If you vehemently want to open schools, go listen to the voices of school teachers who are concerned for their health. Let's be responsible, common sense adults and work through this together. Um, let's not devolve into another partisan fight, this time with our children uh, in the middle. What do you guys think? You're speaking so much normal talk there, Andrew. I mean, like what human beings are supposed to do. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I know that doesn't sell ratings and things like that. Oh, man. I, I mean, I'm right in the middle of it just to, to talk about what you're talking about. Um, you know, we have my wife and I have two kids, 12 and 9, middle school, elementary school. The debate rages here. We have friends on, quote unquote, both sides, which I hate even using that language, right? That's like part of the whole challenge is what is the language we're using? Which side of the opening schools argument are you on? Well, no, I'm not, I'm not like trying to pick a side. I'm trying to make the right decision for my kids and for our community and based on principle and conviction and science and and faith and, you know, this whole complicated mix of what every decision that is of any import in our life is about. And so one of the things I've seen that's really great about this is um, somebody just talking about along the same themes, Andrew, just giving each other a lot of grace. 
you know, no matter what your faith background is, you can you can hopefully at least understand the concept of grace is, you know, basically saying, I know that someone might, I might feel like they deserve X from me right now, my anger, my frustration, my judgment, my condemnation, but I'm choosing instead to to treat them kindly, to love them, to to give them something else that they maybe, I don't think they deserve. And I think if we'll treat each other that way about this, you know, treat teachers who don't want to go back, if, like you said, if you want to go back, treat them with grace and try to understand their perspective. So um, I think it's great, Andrew. It's it's critical that we think like that. Yeah, this is one of those times where it's uh, it's um, it's hard to figure out what to say other than you're right. <laughs> it's it's so it's so hard. Um, uncertainty is terrible, right? You know, everybody knows what their their awful experience was in the the spring of this. You know, and and they really hope they wouldn't have any more. And then then here you are, and and yeah. So my goodness, it is really really not easy. There was another layer of this, Andrew, that I'd be interested to hear, particularly John and Andrew talk about, which is people like to ascribe conspiracy theories to all this stuff, right? And and there's fringe conspiracy theory kind of stuff that happens. And, you know, I, I think largely we just kind of ignore and dismiss that. But there is this sense of attributing malice to certain people, right? And, and some of us on this, uh, actually, most of us on this uh, pod today have been around people of incredible power. And um, I tend to think that most conspiracy theories are based in kind of just this wild assumptions about other people's motives and saying that, you know, the big bad so-and-so is out to do something really nefarious. Um, my experience is that there's not enough coordination or or selflessness or any kind of cooperation for anyone to pull off any major conspiracy. Uh, they can't get past their, you know, own ego to do that. But, you know, as you think about that, guys, how, how do we, or Andrew, in your work specifically, how do you deal with conspiracy theories? Because they're rampant, you know, they're everywhere and every little, everything, including school openings and masks and vaccines and needles and microchips. I mean, everything gets attached to some broader conspiracy, it feels like. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on how to how to address that. How do you push back on that? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, first of all, um, conspiracy theories are also, I mean, some are created intentionally as ways of achieving political goals, right? But a lot of them are rooted in a legitimate or understandable lack of trust in our institutions, right? I mean, I think um, when our institutions fail us, um, people are not going to give them the benefit of the doubt on their motives. They're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're out for our interests, and so whether the conspiracy theory is true or not on the details, it's capturing something that we need to listen to, which is that people don't trust the government. They don't trust politicians. Um, and increasingly, they, they certainly don't trust the politicians of the other party. I think that what we have to be really careful about is that we don't lose trust in each other. And that we can control by getting out there and working with people who are different than us. You can't hide in your in your silo and just hope this stuff goes away. You can't, you know, use facts to just counter it. It doesn't work. Um, without trust, your facts are just your facts. They're not facts. And so we need we need that trust. And 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 I can't I can't save the Bill Gateses and the Clintons of the world because the you know that they're in a place where people don't trust them for reasons that are are beyond what I can control. But what I can control is that um, people who who know me and know the people I'm involved with know that what we're trying to do is is good and right in the world, and that's 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 the piece I can have some influence on. I, yeah, I mean, and, and I just try to connect the dots here back to um, you know Joel's Joel's point earlier, and and just 
you know, just sort of playing your role and, and the, you know, that larger arc of, of, uh, of what God's going on. Um, I don't know. I don't know what God's going on with, uh, the challenges, um, you know, that we're struggling with, you know, on, on something which is complicated, but not so profound that we couldn't get beyond it. Um, but is engendering so much distrust. I don't know what, the, I don't know what the, I don't know what the play is. I don't know what the situation is, but, but, may, but maybe he's, um, you know, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, it's all speculation here, uh, but, but, you know, theoretically, you know, maybe so that we can wrestle this through and see, see how challenging it all is before, you know, before something really, really challenging were to happen. Um, you know, so, so giving us an opportunity to run some, run some reps here. Bottom line is though, who knows? Um, but it's not our, it's not our storyline. Our storyline is just to live, you know, faithful and true the day we're in and try to, uh, you know, use our voices, um, whatever they may be, and our spheres of influence to do the best we can. Um, and I think that's what that's what Andrew is is recommending, um, both, you know, in miniature, and then to the extent that scales up, then God, God willing at scale. So also love the, uh, the point that Andrew, you're making about building that trust at the local community level. Um, and, you know, those relationships uh, that even no matter what people might be saying on, on social media, when you know each other face to face, you're putting your hand to the plow together, so to speak. Um, a lot of that kind of even goes away, I found. Like you don't even have the conversations because you just know that, oh, well, that's not true about that person because I spend time with them. I know that they don't think like that or they're not like that. They don't treat people like that. Um, even if we may we may have very different views on on really important issues. So that's where I keep feeling called is just back to my local community. What can I do here? What can I do now? Who can I love? Who can I know? How can I work together with community leaders in my little small town in Florida um, in ways that will bridge these gaps and and really try to focus on some other things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The The toxicity of our division reduces the closer you get to the ground. And the, the farther you get into social media, the farther you get to Washington, the, the higher it goes. There's no question. So guys, uh, remember there's a bigger story going on, that God is in charge. There's a, there's a narrative being written, um, and it's a through line that we can trust, um, but you know, let's try to trust that God's got a uh, you know a plan for you that He's going to see you through this adversity. He's got a better plan for your kids than than uh, you even do, um, and He's got a way that your family unit's going to wrestle through this together and uh, work it out um, through these tough times. And with that, we are we are in peril of stepping on the Josh Jacobs show. You know, we we just kept chattering on and on and on and and. So it's now time to finally give you what you came for today, Josh Jacob, uh, as I go here, and, and we'll let Josh take it for the rest of the way. I'll say the following, that, um, uh, you know, lots more exciting stuff to come. Um, you know, again, we're thankful for Marissa doing her work on Better Together. I don't know if we've got the the art um, ready for that. Showing the, the show, Crowder, Lecrae, Jonathan McReynolds for King and Country, American Awakening. It is quite, it. I was there. It was quite a show. Um, it's going to be quite a package when we, we uh, bring it together. Thank you, Marissa, for working on that. You'll be hearing a lot about that because it's going to be so darn good. But Josh Jacob is going to just, it's going to channel a little bit of that goodness and the music to take us out. Hey, everybody, God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. God's got you. God loves you. Uh, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Faithful. Faithful forever you will be Faithful 
All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. From the kindness you have poured out grace, you brought me out of darkness. You will fill me with peace. Give me mercy, you my heal in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful, you are. Faithful, forever you will be. Faithful you are All your promises are yes and amen All your promises are yes and amen Faithful you are Of God, 
born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Yeah. Praising my Savior. day long perfect submission perfect delight visions of rapture Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, And you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us.
the day Praise Him, my Savior. All the day long, all the day long. Relevant Podcast Network.